just, I mean, literally go out. My favorite thing in the world to do, even though I do live in like a more rural area, the thing that I love to do the most is to go for a walk and look at the plants that are growing up in the cracks between the Mm. sidewalks. Because to me, those are the ones who are like, who really want to be here, wherever you are. (laughs) Like wherever your environment is, they I don't feel, want to be there. I feel like I'm that kind of plant. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome to La Bifana's Table. Today, I am really excited to be here with Jen Campus, the founder of Old Ways for Modern Days. Uh, this is like my go-to friend <laughs> of La Bifana's <laughs> Table for um, the wisdom needed to maneuver our way through the absurdities of modern times. I think there's a huge, mm-hmm. huge group of us that are waking up to the fact that maybe like maybe there's something of the past that we could look towards to to kind of move into a future that is, um, I don't know, more humane, more whole, more grounded, more rooted. And um, I've come across Jen's work and I just love her brain. So thank you for bringing your brain and your beauty to Lava Fonda's <laughs> table today. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to be here. Always talking to you is the best. So um thrilled that you asked me to come on here and I'm happy to support this amazing new podcast you're doing. Yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm really excited. It's so funny, you know, the last time Jen and I had a chat, I was chatting through the puppet of La Bifana. Yep. Um, which is distinct to be now chatting with Jen again, just as Dina, as my very human (laughs) self. And there's, Jen has incredible work that she's going to talk about. There's, but, uh, Something that I'm so fascinated by is a uh, your you know your four keys your four ancestral mm-hmm. keys and um, how they how they relate to our longing to belong and so mm-hmm. being like I literally was inside of a puppet I was inside of a story I was being held in this thing that was greater than me and through that chapter of this unfolding, (laughs) I really got a sense of universal love and belonging. But I really want to speak to you today of the four keys. Yeah, I mean, but first, I want to just say how I really, really understand and appreciate what you're saying. Because for so many years, I really tried to box my work into like all these different categories. And it was really only maybe five or six years ago that I decided I need to integrate all of these things into my body like Mm -hmm. as me because I can't live kind of like these separate lives because I have so many varied interests and I have so many things that I'm really passionate about but I could never figure out like how they all came together so I felt like I kind of you know well for this audience I talk about this for that audience I talk about this for this and I think you know it was more than that too though because I don't no, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but kind of what you said made me think about how I felt at that time where it was just like, 
oh my gosh, if I integrate all of these things and I come out and talk about these things all together as like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't know what people are going to say or think, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was very much of a thing for me too, where I kind of just had to, had to come out of all these different environments and just put them all together. Yeah. And come and say, no, this is me as I am. And trying to explain this to people and bring this out into the world, which is where the four keys come from, Mm -hmm. was my way of bringing it all together to say, this is how all of my varied interests and all of these things that I'm into and all of my passions like come together. Mm. So that's kind of how I developed this idea. And I think that's so beautiful. And, you know, probably why I'm creating La Bufana's table in that it's like, mm-hmm. the soul yearns for wholeness. And we can like yeah. keep compartmentalizing ourselves, right? Like my teacher <laughs> self talks about this and, you know, my, my comedian self and my this and like that longing for wholeness. And it's like, can we just have the courage to bring our whole selves to the table, to the yeah. table of, of life and to our work in the world? And like, and it's ever becoming, you know, it's like, here are your things and you're still yeah. living and learning, because we're never going to truly belong, right? If we don't, if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to put our full selves out there, mm-hmm. like how can we ever belong to a community or to a cause or to anything if we're not fully present with who we are? Because then we're not really, we can't belong because we're mm-hmm. hiding things about ourselves. Yeah. And there's most certainly, um, in the world today, in the way that it's the divisions, right? I feel like there's places of false belonging. So then mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I can go there, but they've never even belonged to themselves. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's where this longing for belonging in some kind of way, we get the us's and them's and these yeah. guys and those yeah. guys and in all of the divisions. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And that's just so, I feel like that's just such a different part of life than the part of life that really grounds us into being, you know, Mm. because a lot of the work that I do, I talk about, you know, our non-human kin, the land, you know, the spirits Mm. of the land, culture, stories, myth. And like, what are these things? These are things that we can befriend. These are things that are part of us. These are things that, you know, us and our ancestors have been entwined with for millennia, And, you know, if you, I talk a lot about how we can, you know, bring this ancestral knowledge to our children so that we can, can pass it on to the generations. And it's like, how, you know, how do we deal with a kid who's struggling to make friends, but has Mm -hmm. a wild imagination and like Mm -hmm. makes friends with trees instead of saying, oh, you need to make friends with kids in your class, you know, honor the relationships that the child has with our non-human kin. You know, we are all part of this earth. I was talking to my mother-in-law. She's here visiting us from Rome. And I was saying the problem, (laughs) the problem with humans, but no, the problem (laughs) with humans is like, we're the only animals who forgot that we're animals. Mm. And, you know, so like we have this, we have this mentality that there's like, so like this division between different factions of humans and like, these people believe this thing or those people, you know, and we have this thing. It goes way deeper than that because we decided somehow somewhere along the line that we are separated from the nature 
which is the life that sustains us. And that, Mm. the fact that we could be separated from that, now I'm never surprised about how we can separate ourselves from other humans because fundamentally at the most important root, we have divided Mm. ourselves from all of the other things that make up this planet and this world. Because we're just like a touch human centric, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it? (laughs) It's all about us. Nature's like, oh my God. I just like sometimes imagine like the squirrels being like, (laughs) like, what are these guys doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So let's take it back just a second Mm -hmm. for someone who's being introduced to your work. Um, as like, who are you? What is, what is your work? Tell us, what does it mean for you, this old ways for modern days? And, and why is this wisdom not only necessary, but why is it emerging now? Because I, what I think it fundamentally is, is a pathway back to ourselves in every unique way that that is. Um, not just ourselves as humans, like I was talking about before, but like in the very individual, unique way that we are ourselves. Mm. So, you know, I believe that, you know, the special skills that everyone has, the unique gifts that everyone has are not randomly there. They're, they're the finely tuned wisdom of our ancestors that have been passed down through generations, mm. specifically for us to come to this time and place to do the work that we came here to do to, to fulfill our sacred contracts that we made in the other places before we came here, when we said, I'm going back or I'm going there to do this. Mm. And then somehow we don't have a memory of this, but we do because it's this knowledge and this, this wisdom is like wrapped up into our DNA Mm. and it's what makes us individually who we are. So Mm. for me, it's all about just, acknowledging and fulfilling your passion and what what drives you in this life like when you get up in the morning what is the thing that makes you excited about being alive Mm. and follow that to where it Mm. takes you because then you start to unravel this mystery that we all have to unravel which is essentially our life path Mm. you know life is all about unraveling the mystery of who we are and why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing in this time and place. And our work is like very individual and unique Mm. and we all have a purpose. Like we are all necessary right here, right now. No matter. Now, how do I say that to someone who will say, well, I'm just a, I'm just a this, or I'm just a that I'm just a secretary. I'm just a teacher. I'm just, what is the, Help us understand how we can utilize these keys to understand the depth of our purpose, no matter what our, our okay. work is. Well, I mean, okay, so let's, I mean, let's just unwrap the keys really quickly then. Mm, so yeah, people yeah, yeah. know what we're talking about. Okay, so I have four keys that I use to help people to go back to their ancestral wisdom, to go back to like more earth-centric ways of thinking. But the four keys are food. Mm-hmm. land, tradition, and myth. Mm. And with those four things and taking those four things individually, and then as we start to use them, weave them together into this like braid mm. of connection 
then we rediscover the magic because magic is the ultimate result of mm-hmm. working with these keys where we, we become just re-enchanted with the world that's around us. We become, we just, you know, slide right into our purpose mm. because we fully explored these fundamental things that make us human beings. Mm. And, you know, it just, it's a process and it do, it is, it does seem kind of simple because the the most simple things are the most powerful. I of think. course they are. <laughs> right? It's like, they're like, and the consciousness non-dual, you're like, get me out of my goddamn You're like, head. go, go in the kitchen, make some food. Yes. Really think about, you know, because food is the first key, okay? Because it's so basic and everybody who is, you know, lucky enough to be able to mm. eat every day, mm. it's a daily thing, okay? For mm. most people, it's a daily thing, even if it's something small, And so like a lot of the work that I do when I begin, you know, introducing this stuff to people is like, go make tea in the morning with whatever you have on hand. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be, you know, a tea bag that you bought at the store, but get some plants from outside. See, you know, more better, more better to get the plants from outside because then you're connecting to the land where you live just by imbibing this amazing Mm -hmm. elixir that you make every morning, right? So it's like, make some tea, consciously look at the ingredients that you're putting in it. It tells you so much about where these things come from. You know, like, what is the land that supports these plants? Mm. You know, what's the territory? What's the geography? You know, what animals live there? How did these plants, you know, how did they, how can these plants exist in that place? That tells you so much about the history of that place, the culture Mm. of that place, because everything stems from the land. You know, every story, every myth, every, every prayer, every recipe, every, you know, everything stems from what is there on the land where you are. Mm. And you can simply do that by going outside, finding what's growing near you, make some tea, look at it, sit with these ingredients and say, okay, Mm. And, and even if it's a bought tea bag, great. Where did these ingredients come from? How did they get to you? How did they get to the store where you bought it? Mm. You know, who, you know, where was this, where was these ingredients produced? Who, who picked them? Who, who harvested these things? Who made I, it into a tea? Who packaged it? Who drove it to the store? I mean, right all there, of these people. That's such a level of, of curiosity, you know? Yeah. And I've been a teacher for my whole career and you're like, I think some people are have this a natural curiosity, but there's a way to tap into it too, of just mm-hmm, going, mm-hmm. what is this thing here right in front of me yes. instead of over there and over there? Like you seem to be pointing out like just by the tea or something that you would start your morning with there. Look at the multitude of stories and interconnections right in your cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, and all of the beings that were in the process of this tea coming to you Mm. are now all part of your story. And all of the Mm. energies from all of those things are now like when you drink it, they're like coming in. So that's why it's so important to think about what are we eating? What are we choosing to eat? Because everything has an energy, everything has Mm. a spirit. So when you take those things into your body, you're taking in that energy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So food, key number one. Food. Key number one, because it's just so dang simple. <laughs> You're like, what? I thought I needed to, you know, I needed to study all these complex theologies and philosophies. And it's like food. And so I'm a city <laughs> dweller at yep. Labafana's table. And so what do us city dwellers do? Huh. So how do we how do we start to develop that relationship when we feel like we're surrounded by cement? Just, I mean, literally go out. My favorite thing in the world to do, even though I do live in like a more rural area, the thing that I love to do the most is to go for a walk and look at the plants that are growing up in the cracks between the Mm. sidewalks. Because to me, those are the ones who are like, who really want to be here, wherever you are. (laughs) Like wherever your environment is, they really want to be there. I feel like I'm that kind of plant. <laughs> yes. You know, they like, they have a commitment. Like they're like, I want to be in this place. I'm going to grow up through the sidewalk cracks. I'm that committed to this place. Those are the guys you want to get to know. Like if you really want to connect to the land where you are, mm. those are the dudes that you want to know and hang out with and figure out who they are because they sort of represent what the spirit of the place is where you are. Mm. So that's the first thing. I mean, and there's plants growing everywhere. So get to know your plant friends wherever you are, you know. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I always tell people too, which is, you know, which is surprising even to me when I just thought about it and it came to me and I was like, well, duh, but whoa, (laughs) is that all land is connected to each other. You know, I live on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, but deep, deep, deep in the ocean, as far down as you can go, my island is connected to every other place on this planet. Mm. And so for a lot of people who are trying to rediscover, for example, like ancestral practices and connect to their homelands that they don't live on anymore, that their ancestors left, that's the first thing that I say to people when they're longing for that place and Maybe if I went to that place, everything would be right. And it's like, maybe, but also remember that where you are, you can still connect to that land because mm-hmm. all land is connected to each other. I mean, we live on one planet, so mm-hmm. everything is sort of connected. So that was a big thing for me that when I, you know, it's something that we all know, but then when you really sit and think about it, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Now, did you have that, like, is that kind of longing what brought you to Sardinia or did that like? In a way, yeah, my Sardinia story is a bit long and I'll just preface it by saying that I, I came to Sardinia through my husband because my husband Mm. is Sardinian. Oh. And um, so when we came here to visit the first time we came with both of our moms. So my mom's my mom's father was from Sicily and, and my obviously my husband's mom is from Sardinia. And together we all did like this roots tour. So we spent time in Sicily and in Sardinia. And mm. that was my first time, you know, getting to know this place. Then we came back like many, many years later when my daughter was less than a year old. Mm. And I got a calling from mm. this land that mm. I call Nona Sardegna because she has a very grandmotherly feeling. Mm. And she was like, the message was just very simple and clear, but it was like, please bring my children home. Oh. And I was like, I'm, like, I'm getting a little emotional right now because okay. 
it was, it was just very simple, but very strong and very loving. And I was like, I think I can do that. Okay. Because I'm adopted. So I'm an adopted person. So this Mm. idea of being adopted is something that I am really familiar with. I grew up with it. So I was like, oh, well, so I kind of asked her like, so are you kind of going to adopt me then? Because I know they belong, but I want to feel like I belong too. And she was just sort of like, of course, of course, dear, Mm. just come back, come home. (laughs) And so we were like, okay, because my husband always wanted to come back. And, you know, when we started having our kids, we were thinking about, you know, what kind of environment do we want them to grow Mm. up in? Like, what did we, and at that time we were living in Vermont, we had like a homestead where we had sheep and goats and chickens and gardens. It was kind of like our life and our dream. But when the kids came, it was like, we got to move our focus onto them. And like, what are the foundations that we want them to grow up with? And we just kind of decided, yeah, I think it is time to go Mm. back to the motherland, back to Nona. (laughs) Mm. And so that's how I ended up here and have felt very accepted by the energies of the land here because, you know, I made this pact with the, with the guardian, with the Mm. guardian of this Island. And Mm. I feel like I'm held here. Mm. That is just such a, you know, I'm just so happy to be speaking in this way (laughs) out loud (laughs) because this is not, you know, this is not like the everyday conversation that you're, you're having with most people of like, hey, did you talk to the land that you're on? (laughs) And, you know, do do you feel held by it? I mean, in some ways, like, I would imagine, you know, the pandemic kind of opened that up. I mean, I, I went to my local park, uh, right uh, like by me and I made friends with two trees like talk about making friends I was like you guys are my besties I I'm pretty sure you don't have COVID (laughs) and we're gonna gonna hang out together and I'm like in this little park on uh you know 141st and like Edgecombe Avenue in Harlem just chilling with these two big trees and I just Mm -hmm. was like okay I'm going to just like sit next to you and we're going to talk to each other. And, you know, and I think so much of this kind of allowing ourselves to, I don't know, renegotiate our relationship with the land or like reconcile ourselves with the land. There is that separation. You have to let yourself, you know, you have to let yourself play. Right. Because I feel like that's a world where it's like, you're talking to the land. You're crazy. That's, you know, like as if having a conversation with the greaterness of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what the heck, you know? And so how do we have those kind of conversations and how do we tend to those relationships? Um, you know, that's, I really hope that, you know, that's, we're having more of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Me, that's, you know, there's these conversations, but then there's like the great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is with all of creation. Yeah, definitely. Because when we go far enough back in time, we all have ancestors who had these conversations Mm. with trees, with rivers, with rocks, with animals, and so much of their lives and important decisions that they made were based on the, the knowledge and the conversations and the answers that they got 
from these beings that they shared their world with. Mm. And so our blood and bones remember this. And it's so it's not that hard once you start. Like if you can just start by mm-hmm. talking to a tree for I definitely that's one that I recommend a lot because trees are I always say trees are my people, but like <laughs> trees are my people. Like they're the first ones that I will go to. <laughs> like they yeah, they're the first ones and I find them very welcoming. Mm. Um and they've seen so much. Like mm. They, because they've been in one place, you know? So, like, they've seen everything from, like, the very minute perspective. Yeah. Which is invaluable because we as humans cannot have that perspective because we're in motion all the time. Like, we're always yeah. here and there and going in and out. But trees, they're, like, the one, the one being that really never moves. And so their perspective if you really want to get to know the land where you are, like literally where your house sits or something, if there's a tree that's nearby, the tree is going to tell you everything you need to know. Because mm. it's I been love there. That, it's I seen love it. that you, you say that. There's, um, it reminds me of um, when I was teaching uh, fourth grade, there in the Journeys book, in the curriculum, <laughs> in the like district mandated curriculum, there is a story called The Ever-Living Tree. Hmm. And it... Um, it gives the story of, you know, human history, right? Yes. All the things this tree has witnessed, the empires coming to get falling apart and, you know, war and it's been there and it stood the test of time and it's, it's watched, you know, human society mm-hmm. fall apart, start again. You yes. know, it's, it's seen it and we're in very interesting times and I, I one can easily lose hope, but when you yeah. go like, actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mother Nature's got this. <laughs> We're the ones. <laughs> yeah, we need to remember, you know, like we need to call on her wisdom because she's there for us. Like she's never left. So yeah, she's kind of looking at us a little like askance. <laughs> like everything's gone a bit pear-shaped with these humans. But like, she's still our mother. She's still there. I mean, I refer to her as, you know, our oldest ancestor. You know, the mm. earth. Mother Earth is like our oldest aunt, she's all of our ancestors. So, and if we can think that and we can really begin to feel that in our bodies, then it's not that difficult to then branch out and say, oh, well, then the tree is also my kin because the earth is also its mother, his mother, her, you know, their mother. And, um, but yeah, I mean, to go back to the trees just for one second, like one of my best friends. One of my best friends is this 4,000 year old olive tree here in Sardinia. Oh my Sardinia. God. I want to hear more people talking about, like, oh, my bestie. A 4,000 year old olive tree in Sardinia. But like, she, th- like the book, I'm, I didn't read the book that you, that you mentioned, but like, it was the same thing. She showed me all these different things happening over the millennia that mm-hmm. she's been alive. But the thing that she wanted me to see the most, and this is like, wow. Um, were all these couples who like kissed under her and had picnics under her and had, I saw so many of them over, over the eons, right? That's what she wanted me to see the most was like the love Mm. that she has witnessed over time. It's like, yeah, the Roman empire fell. Yeah, whatever. You know, all these cultures came and went, but the thing that (laughs) you really were falling in love, damn it. Yes. (laughs) 
I was like, you know, and if okay. there's if there's any, you know, if there, if there's any freedom in humanity when we deal with, you know, the the world of power and greed and authoritarianism and all of the versions of it that exist, it's like you don't stop. Like people still fall in love. Babies are made. Yes, <laughs> things are. Yes. Life is still lifing, <laughs> which is yep. always we you still know... eat, right? You know, we still eat. We're still walking on the land. We still have our traditions. We still have our stories. So tell and... me now. Now we're to get a little more deeper into this. The third key. Tell me more about yeah. the traditions and. Um, you know, I think so many of us have a longing. Okay. I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely showing up here, you know, for me, La Bafana, the tradition of that, I'm like, okay, I have an anchor. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. finding that tradition and, and that is an anchor for me. Um, but why, um, cause especially I'm, I'm, I'm curious cause it seems like, like we have mm-hmm. the progress versus the tradition people. Yeah. Tradition gets a bad rap. Yeah. Tradition gets a bad rap. Tradition gets a bad rap because tradition I think is viewed by, by a lot of people falsely in that it's something that's stagnant, that it's something Mm. that doesn't move, but that is not actually the case. Tradition is like, tradition is constantly, you know, it's constantly in motion because really what tradition is, And the traditions that we, for example, that we still have from like our ancestors back in the olden times, if you want to call it that, were, are like manifestations, are physical representations of our conversations, our human conversations with our non-human kin. Mm. And why is that? Because we understood, and we should still understand as humans, that we don't survive without the help of our non-human kin. Like if we don't have food to eat, which are plants, animals, fungi, mostly, um, we don't, we don't live. Mm. And so most cultures have like a particular crop or a particular, you know, food, like a traditional food that they eat. And there, you can pretty much find almost in every culture, if you really go and look into the history and um, the rituals and the ceremonies and all of those things, the songs, the dances, the music, Mm. it's about giving thanks for the sacrifice of that being, whether it's a, you know, corn or a squash or wheat or Mm. an animal or fungi for giving its life force energy to us so that we could, so that we can live. So that's, that is what tradition is in its, in its foundation. You know, it's conversations that we're having with our non-human kin. And then we have ceremonies and we have songs and we have stories and we have our names, for example, you know, people's last names, people's, you know, family names that come from these beings that our ancestors held in such importance, knowing that without them, we mm. wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really what tradition is. So like, if you want to, you know, look with it with that lens, I think it really helps to see like, even language is, you know, a tradition, because language, it's, it's how we think. Language is culture. Culture culture reflects language. Language reflects culture. So like even the words that we speak every day, 
come from a particular worldview, come from the experiences of our ancestors, come from those relationships that we have with humans, with non-humans, with the land where our ancestors came from, where these languages came into being. Mm -hmm. So like, there's no randomness Mm -hmm. in this world. Everything Mm -hmm. has a purpose. Everything has a history. Everything has a story. And if we go back and we look at things with that mindset, with that point of view, um, we can see how tradition is always evolving and it's always in motion. And what I'm really passionate about is like, how do we take these ancestral practices? How do we take these ancestral traditions and make them relevant today? You know, how do we, how do we do that? So yes, our ancestors had lots of ceremonies and beautiful things around the harvest. Well, most of us don't live in a situation where we're harvesting anything ever. <laughs> I, we're harvesting at like Costco. You're like, you know, I... <laughs> but somebody had to harvest yeah. that food that yeah. ended up at Costco that we bought. And yeah. like, so we can still give thanks mm. to these things, to these foods that are giving us life. And so for me that, you know, that's just one of the, I think really important fundamental things as humans that we need to re remember Mm -hmm. is that it's not just animals who are giving their lives Mm. and giving their life force energy so we can live the plants are too the fungi is as well because when you remember that everything has a spirit and everything is alive with its own unique mission its own unique job its own unique thing all of these beings become like you just become so reverent yes of their gifts yeah there's then everything is like the shimmery sacredness of <laughs> of life and it's yes. not just ah, you know cuz we can just so easily go through the motions as we're rushing between things and you're like must feed human meat suit now i do this and you know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that I think we we lose the 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 reverence for it, and I I, I do find it interesting. These um, I definitely find interesting your worldview that kind of brings that out. You know, I think um, you know you said uh, enchantment and reenchantment, and I think you know depending on the 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 context you're in, if you're like <laughs> a, a Christian lens, that you're like whoa, scary bad, which it's mm. it's very funny because I you come from like an animistic point of view. And I, I definitely mm-hmm. come from like a, like just a, a Christ soaked world. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course everything's alive. It's, it's teeming with this life force that yeah was at the beginning of time, you know, but it's, it's to me, that's an, these are just like interesting, uh, interesting worldviews, but like this notion of like, we've become so disconnected mm-hmm. that to actually go, holy shit, everything's alive. Yeah. Everything's alive. <laughs> everything has a purpose. And, you know, and you refer to like everything has a spirit. Um, I, I think that's like, whether that's someone's worldview or not, I think it's an interesting worldview to hold in terms of like, well, if it is, like, let's just play the if it is game. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. Your, if that's not your worldview, how does that change your relationship to it? 
Right. Does because it, I think if you can, if you can imagine, even if that's not your current worldview, if you yeah. can imagine that that worldview is possible, if you can hear what I'm saying, and I can yeah. tell you that this is that I am a living person right here, right now. And that is my worldview. Yeah. Um, then think about like how accepting mm. you could be of every single person on this planet. Mm. If you have, if you could accept that worldview, because if you accept the worldview that, you know, a mushroom is alive with its own spirit, then you can certainly accept the validity of someone whose views you don't agree with. Mm. You know, mm. it just opens your mind to possibilities of uniqueness actually being the norm and the importance of that. Because when we all have our own really unique gifts that we need to share and they can all sort of begin to mesh together, then we're mm. like, then we're like having a common purpose, which is, I think any human's common purpose should be keeping this planet that is our home <laughs> alive and habitable. Mm. Let's just start there. You know, let's just right. start there because there, because somewhere, somewhere, and I think that's the place really where to begin is that, we all humans have a common need, a common common thing that we have to have in order to exist, which is that our planet, our home, mm. is viable. Mm. And we can all agree on that. The different yeah. ways that we think we should do it or not do it or whatever, let's, you know, let's put that aside. Mm-hmm. But I think we can all, no matter who you are, we can all come and say, yeah, I mean, we need this planet to exist. We need it to be viable. We need it to be healthy so that we can grow and future generations can thrive and have a good life. And so like anybody that you think you have nothing in common with, you do. Mm. And I wish that people could just start conversations um, at the, at, you know, at a place where we, where we do agree because we do, there are definitely things that we all agree Mm. And like, if we could start at that place, like I wish, you know, political conversations or whatever, mm. the, all these things that we're ha really having this in this time right now, this weird time where everything is so polarized. Every time I get into these conversations with people, I'm always like, can we just start and find a common ground first? Because when we have a common ground that we can start can from... Then like we get to, we know each other better and we're, we're less willing to be like, oh, you're just the worst person ever. Like, we're not going to say that to somebody that we hold some common ground with. And if we hold that common ground in our hearts above everything else that anyone else is saying at that point in time, and we actually listen to people's stories of how they got to where they are, yeah, we can have some compassion and we could say at the end, Gee, wow. I mean, I, I don't agree with like how you, what you came to as your conclusion, but I can sure see how you got there. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hi, yeah. that's, this is part of being human. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think that is also like a fundamental aspect of to why I've, I am like <laughs> very almost evangelisty with the love of fun story, but like, Hey, enter the story if you want, because I, what, you know, there's a longing for a common mythology, yeah. but one that does not stamp out diversity. 
right? Because there's a difference between unity and uniformity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so when my myth or story or, you know, wherever is imposed upon you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now you have to, everyone has to be the same or think the same and agree. And we've lost the individuality and the uniqueness. That's not a, that's not a thriving ecosystem. And, you know, and so what has been so beautiful for me, at least finding my place within the mythology of Labafana Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that also intersects the Christian story, which is, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, you, you can't get, you can't not contend with it, no matter yeah, it's where here. you are. It's here. It is a, it is, it is a story that must be contended with. And you, and, you know, you have to, you have to figure out where that story fits or doesn't fit for you. And for me, I had to contend with it because I can't like not. Like, I don't know, I can't not be what I grew up as. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I've tried to be like, I'm not Catholic and I'm not this and I'm not that. But there yeah. are some aspects of your identity that I have found that it's like, oh, if I cut off that identity, I'm also cutting off a cultural body mm-hmm. <laughs> like that came before me. You know what I sure. mean? Like, yeah, there, there are people in my line that prayed certain prayers. And then when I try to right. completely just like go, no, I don't want that anymore. I'm actually like losing an important aspect of myself. So the Labafana story was like, oh, okay. I know my place in a larger story. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good enough for me. <laughs> if you want to find your place at this table, among, uh, you know, among that larger mythology and feel held by that larger story, mm-hmm. I'm going to come to the table and eat a bowl of pasta. Yes. <laughs> but like, whoa, you know, there is a need for that commonality. Like, mm-hmm. especially as the divisions and, you know, the usings and them things. And- yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is a need for commonality, but I think it's a lot of what we talked about earlier, too, is there's a need for curiosity. I feel mm-hmm. like if, if if you can enter any conversation with curiosity, I call it sacred curiosity because I believe Beautiful. it's that important, right? That if we have this sacred curiosity that we just live our lives in that state Yes. Then, you know, I just feel like these, this polarization wouldn't happen. It starts to melt, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you do have to just go, you know. Huh. Huh. (laughs) Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. It's it's hard to say, huh, interesting, if like actual physical oppression danger is happening upon you. You know what I mean? You're like, that's that's not interesting. I need to say, you know, so there's levels of of safety and all of that. But when it comes to just like, you know, the people, (laughs) the people who are not at the top, who are not, you know, making these power moves. Yeah. you know, for us to not fall into those divides and for us to like approach each other with which, you know, I love it because I've said that this 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 podcast and is dedicated to the, the art of sacred hospitality. Mm. And to me, yeah, sacred hospitality is holding out that that sacred curiosity. Like totally right now yes. we're at this this table, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is via Zoom. But let's stay with the metaphor that it's like this is a place of encounter. Okay, yeah. you are a 
you know, human being filled with dignity who has a different worldview than my worldview. And, mm-hmm. but where do we find those commonalities? Where do they still point to the same human longings yes, <laughs> so that yes. we can like get somewhere? Totally. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, we have different ways of getting, I hope to the same thing, which is that, you know, what, what I said before is that like, we, you know, we need this planet that we live on yes. we need our home to be good. Like we need, to create an environment where our children and their children and their children can thrive. Like, I think that is a common human goal, whether you have children of your own or not, you know, you want us as humans to continue to be in this world. So Mm. I really hope that everybody's end goal, if they really sat down to think about, you know, what is this all about? What am I fighting about? What am I, what is it really? Mm. I would hope it's some version of that because Mm. I don't think there's anything more foundational that I've come across. I mean, I'm always, again, sacredly curious about other people's opinions on that. But mm-hmm. I feel like if we could really just get a lot of diverse people sitting around this table right now, and we would, and, mm-hmm. and, and we brought that up as a choice. Hey, do you think that that's really like an important foundational thing as, as human beings? I don't think you'd find a lot of arguments. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to remember that we're all in the this, this same boat together where we just want to continue to be alive have more of us make this planet a nice more people making out under the tree yes please (laughs) you know people fall in love under that tree let's do it let's make it happen let's make it a viable so yeah now can you tell me uh, a little bit more also a a little bit of your journey because you know in terms of seeing this as your activism. Because yeah. I think you said you're like, you know, we can run wild. We could see the fires and and there's a million to put out. Yeah. And then so you're many. like, wait, but I'm also here to live. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to experience my life and enhance the world around me. So for you as a as a parent, as a mother, as an educator, how is raising our children with this worldview that you're holding in terms of these four ancestral keys, how is this a form of activism for you? Because I feel like the biggest problems that we face in the world, right? So there's violence, there's environmental problems, there's oppression, there's all these kind of horrible things, right? We've been throwing stuff at it now, trying to fix these, having solutions for these things for the longest time. But we've been, we've been under our own sort of, like I said, like I started this conversation with disconnection from who we really are as humans and our place in this world, mm, right? In so like, like the, in the greater web of life. Yes. So we're like, you know, we're coming at these problems with solutions where we're just completely cut off from mm. our place in this world. So they're never going to be viable solutions over the long term. They're just not. Mm. So with our kids... If they grow up with this worldview as a tree can be their best friend and like, you know, they can get most of the information that they need to be a good human being on this earth from the land that they live on and, you know, the guardians and the spirits of the land. And we let them nurture their passions, the things that they came to this earth to do. You know, they came with their own work, too. Like Mm. they, they have come to this time and place just as we have to do their calling, to do their mission And if we allow them 
to do that by following their passions, by following the things that they love, by seeing the world the way that they see it, instead of trying to say, no, but that's not realistic. No, that doesn't make any sense. No, you know, and and dividing them away from their intuition and what they're really Mm. feeling. If we can let them be (laughs) and do these things, they will have the solutions, the right solutions to the problems that our world is facing and will face. You know, we can't keep throwing the same wrong solutions at problems that haven't worked already and expect them to work. We need new visions. We need new perspectives and outlooks and experiences. And who's the best people to do that? Mm -hmm. Are the people who are still so young that they haven't been cut off from their intuition, that they haven't been cut off from their connection to the land and the spirits and like the things that they love and, you know, their their natural sense of like love and Wonder. their natural sense of unity with this world, the other worlds, now, all the creatures. Now, I, I have a question. Now, is that just like an aspect of development? Like we, we are in the like, you know, I call it like the God bubble, you know, from like mm-hmm. zero to seven, you like you and you're in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, yeah, you're in it. Now is that just a part of life? Like that you must se- like, is that just the human journey? Do we have to separate from that to come back to it? Or, I don't think so. or can we raise we our do. children in a way yeah. that they don't have to do this this separation, come back, remember who you are, like, can, is, or is that just what has to occur? So I, I'm like, how does, I don't think, I don't think that that has to occur because I think at that, you know, like you said, the God bubble, whether it's like, you know, to age seven or age nine, you know, it's something somewhere around there, I think is when they start to become indoctrinated and assimilated into this like capitalist patriarchal Mm. culture that we live in Mm. which is definitely the main goal is to separate ourselves from trusting ourselves Mm. like oh you know it's like the phrase oh don't listen to your heart listen to your mind you know what that's saying it's saying don't listen to love don't listen to your instinct what your gut also your gut like i also talk a lot in my work about the three Uh, centers of intelligence in our body, our brain, our heart, and our gut. So Mm -hmm. it's like cut people off from that, you know, and make them only think with their head. It's not to demonize the head because the head is important, but it has to also be integrated with the heart and the gut. And our children have that. So if we can preserve that in them in some way by, I think, just not telling them that anything is unrealistic. And I know that that is like a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because mm-hmm. I too, as a parent, feel a very strong responsibility for setting my kids up for success in this world, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a world that I agree with a lot of the policies. So like mm-hmm. there's this fine line that you have to walk between as a parent where it's like, how do I preserve these innate skills that are so important to preserve while at mm. the same time preparing my child for living and being successful in a world that does not appreciate these traits and actually right. wants to sever us from them. Yeah. Which is like, you know, oh, we have to prepare them for the real world. And right. I, I, I remember um, a teacher, um, uh, Thomas Hubble, uh, 
part of the pocket project. He does a lot of trauma informed uh, trainings and ancestral uh, knowledge. And he talked about like, you know, everyone's like, oh, but the real, this is the real world. And it's like, this is what reality looks like <laughs> when reality is hurt. Yes. So you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's prepare them for the, for reality, for the real world. But what we're just preparing them for is the, a real world that is hurt. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're actually just trying to give them the tools and the resilience tools to deal with a fractured world and maintain their wholeness, you know? So it's like, yeah. to me, it's like, that's why I, 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 I know I'm, I know that I'm building the table that I need to continue to traverse a world yeah. that's fractured Yeah, because it's like, yeah, you can get your finder and reclaim your wholeness, but then you got to maintain it. But, <laughs> and yeah, maintain and it's like, then you, you know, you lose a- so many years in between, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we're all you, I, so many people that I know in this world right now, we're like reclaiming, we're remembering, we're re this and that. And what I'm trying to do with my work, I don't know if I'm going to be successful. You know, I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, the be all end all of anything. This is just something I'm trying, you know, is that how do we, how do we like help raise our kids so they don't have to go through that process of like being severed literally from themselves and Mm. then having to, when they're older and they've realized all the traumas that they've been through and the pain and the scarring and to say, oh, I'm going to like rediscover myself. What if, what if, what if we didn't have to do that? You know, what if they oh. didn't have to do that? Think about how much more energy they could spend on making this Towards world a better creating place. creating and serving, you know, right. I'm yes. like, oh my God, did I really need to spend the first like 40 of my years of my life discovering myself? You're just Thank like, you. wait a second. That was like total BS. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Was all along. Okay. Now go be a, you're like, uh, to me, I'm like, okay, spiritual journey. I'd like my money back. That was total. <laughs> that sucked. That yeah. was like, oh, I was there the whole time. I could have just like, you know, been having remotely healthy relationships with it, less drama and like being a higher caliber of service to this world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. But, you know, to do that, our education system would have to like value relational intelligence. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know. I know. <laughs> and like, you know, not everyone can homeschool. Like I don't homeschool. My kids go, you know, they go to school, but that's part of my way that you know, that's because in our home, you know, we live a very different life than I think a lot of people, but when they go to school, they get a taste of what the culture is and what expectations yeah. are and how things are. So for me, um, it's just kind of the way that I'm trying to navigate this whole thing. And like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not this person that has all the answers to say, oh, yeah, I tried this. It totally worked. This is what we need to do. I'm just a person saying, how can I help serve the community at large, like the whole community, not just Mm. humans, you know, but the community community and help these kids, you know, to not lose themselves in the process that hopefully then they can go on and serve the community in like a million better ways than I can. Yeah. Because I've already been through, you know, everybody alive today who's above the age of nine at this point 
you know, has, has been through some ringers where they've mm-hmm. lost parts of themselves and they've mm-hmm. lost part of the innate knowledge that we come here with. And mm-hmm. that is a tragedy. And like, if we can try to preserve it just a little bit more in them. I and... think what you're, you know, refer, you know, not, I, 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 I get that. And I, I really feel that too, you know, that because there is, um, I remember myself like that, that, tr- that severing, like that, yeah. like literally I have spent the last years, like collecting pieces of my soul that have been, you know, like <clears throat> on a very shamanic level of like, mm-hmm. Oh, I left you over there, <laughs> you know? And I really remember like, uh, as a child, like I wrote a letter, I found this letter that I wrote and I was so upset and it was about the loss of innocence. Like when I saw the world and the pain yeah. of it. And, you know, it was actually like, you know, world events or, you know, I, uh, I, I forget which, what I had witnessed. It may have been like, I think when I was a child, I witnessed like the Tiananmen Square massacre and like yeah. was not understanding that. And then like these other kind of world stage events, I think it was like the Rodney King beating. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, cause yes. my, my elementary school was really beautiful in maintaining that and preserving that we would sing songs every morning together mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that that level of innocence yeah and then like I remember as a child being like whoa I'm so angry at you adults I was yeah. like I'm yeah. so pissed I don't want to be in that world at mm-hmm. all <laughs> and it's yeah. really been my like getting back to that the 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 true innocent right reclaiming the you know, that, that to me is the Christ child within all of us. Right. The holy innocence that's, that's, that's there. And we have to preserve like, you know, mama bear style. Yeah. (laughs) Mama bear style of, uh, because that's where our magic and that's where our power is, you know, is, is to still look at this world with, wonder and awe in yeah. spite of what's really <laughs> what's what's going on around it and saying like no there's another way of being mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay that's one story you're living there but there's another story and there's yeah. another way of being and more yes. and more of us are going to be living this way <laughs> yeah and it's like and we might not know how to get to that life perfectly but we're gonna mm-hmm. at least try our best in the ways that we can mm-hmm. to do it and you know, that's where activism, what you were saying comes in, because I think activism is such a personal thing about how, how you want to like do that in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've yeah. spent time and, being uh, an activist you know, I, in lots of different ways, but, but right now it's very next generation focused, I guess. Mm, yeah. And I, I think that's really, that feels that feels really important. And, and as like, you know, I think, you know, no matter what, you know, to me, I I do think there is a part of that journey of like, forgetting to remember, you know, like we have to, we know it, we come in with it, we forget Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Then we remember again, and we forget and we remember. And I, I think what you're really doing with these keys, and especially the work, you know, that you're doing with, you know, parents or caregivers of of people trying to raise children in this way is like providing those core memories those core memories of of these things that become anchors and so knowing that they they are going to forget yeah and knowing that you've done the thing to leave a clue 
You know what I mean? Like, yes, here's your clue backwards guys. Like, you know, we're, we're dropping clues for you. <laughs> and when <laughs> yeah. you, when you forget, because you're going to face a trauma on a personal level, on a collective level, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that wars are still going on. Shit's sure. happening. Yeah. But like, we are doing our best to like, leave like little <laughs> core memories for you to hook onto and remember again you know, yeah. in, in that process. I, I love, I, you know, I would love that they don't have to, but I, you know, I, there is a part of me going like, is that too idealistic that we can right. create a world? Yeah. I mean, truly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely, I love that. What you just said, I think that is such an amazing perspective. And I thank you for that because it does help me look at what I'm doing in a way that is amazing too. So this is why I love having these conversations yeah. with people when you can really talk about this weird stuff, because if you can really open yourself up to these conversations, yeah. you get so much out of it because, you know, we're not like even us who teach about these things or, you know, put write books and we have scholarly backgrounds and we do all that. We don't know everything. And sometimes yes. it just takes a person you're having an honest conversation with to say, well, this is how I see what you're doing. And you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that is kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing, but wow, okay, yeah, that's definitely a big part of it that I never like could could like voice. You know, yeah. I never could find a way to explain it that way. But you did in like one sentence. <laughs> okay, thank you, Dina. You're all well done now. Boom, boom. I think we got these. We're <laughs> dropping clues, guys. We're dropping. We're clues. dropping clues. <laughs> <laughs> So that they remember, you know, oh my God, I love this conversation. I love, we've gone over an hour. Oh course. my God. So Classic. you are obviously, Jen, um, a friend that's going to have to come back to Labafana's table often. Anytime. Um, and because you have such uh, beautiful knowledge and just can you, before, before we uh, end our conversation um, or bring it to a close for now, um, just kind of let people know what, what is the types of stuff that they could find on your, on your website, on your Instagram. Um, sure. You have Excuse monthly, me. you know, you have so much great content. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So I have, so if anybody wants to know anything further from me, you can find everything you need on jencampusauthor.com. And I have books, booklets, guides, you know, monthly seasonal guides. I also last year did a whole series of podcasts for every month, ways to connect to the seasons, like ways to connect our ancestral hearts to the rhythm of the seasons. And I also have guides on that same topic that they're both complementary. They're not the same, but they're complementary. And I talk a lot about sacred foods too. So like Mm. I, you know, I tell the story, the origin story of, you know, different important cultural foods and like why, why they are so important. And I am going to be coming out with a new book soon. You um, are prolific. (laughs) This is this woman, like she does not mess around. I don't even want to pretend like that. I will have this knowledge ever. I'm like, wow, but I can go to Jen. (laughs) We all don't have to know everything. So just find everything on my website. And if, you know, sign up for my mailing list, if you want to like be informed of new things that come up and that's basically it. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited for you to be a friend of La Bufana's Table and for whatever kind of collaborations we continue to do in yes. the future. Um, but I hope everyone I'm here enjoyed for our time with Jen. And uh, thank you so much for, Thanks, for sharing your real unique gifts, your your 
unique your worldview and and everything. I think people are going to have a lot to sit with <laughs> with this one, and I I can't wait for everyone to 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 tap into these keys. Thanks, thanks so much, Dina. It's really oh, always right. a pleasure to talk to you. Yay! All right, many blessings. We'll see you soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.